Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. The Boston Celtics tell their side of the Gordon Hayward story. Kemba Walker going to be out for a little while and the Celtics are playing on Christmas Day. I'll talk all about it on this Wednesday Locked On Celtics Millie. Let's go. Rainy Jays back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it. Got a local feel like the red line. The blue line. The green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime. And press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's. That's the best way. Melly. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast. I'm John Corrales of MassLive.com. I'm their Boston Celtics beat reporter, and I am the host of this Locked On Celtics podcast. Thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. It's a Monday through Friday podcast, so wherever you're going, if you're in the shower, in the car, at the gym, wherever, I appreciate you downloading, popping on your headphones, and listening to me talk for 30 to 40 minutes or so every day. If you're new, that's the format, Monday through Friday. This week is Media Week, so we've got a lot of stuff. uh, Packed, packed podcast in this one. So in segment one, we're wrapping up this Gordon Hayward stuff. This is the last I want to talk about it. It really, I know there's going to be lingering stuff with the traded player exception, but this is the final side of the story that needed to be told. And we heard from Gordon Hayward, we hear from... Danny Ainge, we're, we're getting the final bit of this story. Segment two, I'll talk about Kemba Walker. As expected, he's going to be out for a little bit, and we heard from Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge. I'm going to play you the audio from those guys regarding these topics. And in segment three, a little bit about Tristan Thompson and the Celtics are playing on Christmas Day. I'll talk about that Christmas Day game against the Nets. All right, I know the, the Hayward stuff is... I, I'm, I'm kind of done with the drama behind it, but because it was such a big deal and people really wanted to make a huge, huge thing out of it, when you first heard the Indiana Pacers stuff and the Miles Turner stuff, so here it is. This is the final side of the story that's being told. We heard from Gordon Hayward. I don't have the sound from Gordon Hayward, but I've got quotes. Uh, we hear from Danny Ainge. I will play you what Danny Ainge had to say. So let's start with Gordon Hayward. A couple of things that he said. One quote here. Quote, This was something that was unlike any other situation I've been in, certainly with the timing and everything, and how quick everything escalated, and how hectic and chaotic everything was. After speaking with my family and my agent, and speaking with the Hornets organization, and hearing more and more about their vision, where they they see this team going, it was really powerful. It made me really think more and more about it. It was something I wanted to be a part of. And like I said, I just decided to opt out and go for it. That's him being asked about the opt out. He was also asked about Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan calling him and talking to him and how powerful that was. And you got to remember that Hayward did talk to Michael Jordan when he first signed the offer sheet When he was in Utah, he was a restricted free agent. Utah wasn't sure they wanted to pay him. He signed an offer sheet with the Charlotte Hornets. 
Utah matched. And so there's already been history there. And now Hayward is talking about Jordan again, and he says, quote, this second go around, he actually mentioned that when I talked to him on the phone and when he texted me a little bit that he's wanted me for years now, I think it was something where the more and more conversations we had with the coaching staff, with some of the front office guys, the vision that they had, the impact that they thought I could have in helping us get to that next level, it's very powerful. Although there were conversations with lots of teams about sign and trade opportunities, it's one of those things where my agent was kind of working on those and I told him, let's just do this thing in Charlotte, let's just get this done. So that's Gordon Hayward explaining it. Okay, now let me play you Danny Ainge's explanation. Now this is not his entire availability, I just took the Gordon Hayward answers. So here's Danny Ainge on the Gordon Hayward situation. When did you first become aware of Gordon Hayward's openness to leaving as a free agent? Um, I think that I was anticipating the possibility for the last few months. All right. Next question, Mark Murphy. Did, did Gordon ever directly express to you that he wanted a more featured role? You know, Gordon is a very unselfish player. Um, when I say, so when I refer to a more featured role, I, I'm not saying that like, he wants to score 25 points a game and take all the shots. I think he just wants to be involved in the offense more, like having the ball in his hands, dribble and pass and participate in the offense a little bit more. But yeah, there was, listen, I've had a lot of players come through here and I'm sympathetic. I mean, I played with three first ballot Hall of Famers um, in the starting lineup and I, I wanted to have a more featured role too. I think that it's very common and um, I think that we have some good players and, uh, you know, Kimba and Jalen and Jason and and uh, Marcus, like those guys uh, demand the ball some. And um, I think if you asked each one of them, they'd probably like to have a little bit more of a featured role. But that's the nature of our business that we're in. That's not any knock on Gordon in any way, shape, or form. And let me just start off by saying, you know, I'm grateful that Gordon chose Boston. And I wish him nothing but the best. He's a good teammate. He's a good guy. He's a terrific player. And... Um, you know, I'm grateful that Gordon, you know, missed the birth of his son and came to play and try to help us, even though he was far less than 100% this year in the playoffs. He, he made sacrifices to try to give us a better chance of winning. And uh, it didn't work out for our team, but, you know, I'm grateful that, that he gave that kind of effort and his family made that kind of a sacrifice. Um, and I wish Gordon nothing but the best. And they congratulate him on his new deal in Charlotte. John Corrales. Uh, Danny, we're, I'm sure you've seen the reports of <clears throat> Indiana's offer to you in your talks with, for Gordon Hayward. Did you characterize those as accurate? How did, how did that go? Why, why weren't you able to get something done with Indiana? So, uh, you know, John, I'm not going to comment on any com in any conversations that I had. I'll let others comment if they if they want, but I'm not going to comment on conversations I have with teams involving other players from other teams. I will just say that um, Indiana was one of, of a handful of teams, maybe three or four teams. It would probably be a more accurate description that we talked with the potential of signing trades. 
And as you know, in signing trades, uh, you know, the player uh, controls that because if we work out a deal with another team, uh, but Gordon doesn't want to go there, then he doesn't have to go there. It takes all three parties to be pleased with where they're going and the contract that's being offered. Um, but I'll just say that, you know, we did have discussions with Indiana, I'm not going to go into the details. And we knew what the risks were. Um, and we knew what all the options were. We could do signing trades with uh, Indiana, with a couple other teams, um, and with Charlotte. And there were cap possibilities, including Charlotte. Um, teams out there that had cap space that were willing to offer Gordon uh, some of their cap space money. And we thought that any one of those options were good. But like our number one option was getting Gordon to come back. And so all the way to the end, we thought we were, but we weren't gambling with assets in our hands. Um, we knew that all of those were very good options for many different reasons. And I, I, but I, but I can't really go into the details of, of those conversations. So my takeaways are Gordon Hayward wanted more opportunity. He didn't want to be a third or fourth option anymore. He feels like he's in his prime, which is something that he said in his availability with Charlotte. He wants to go out there. He wants to touch the ball more. He wants to score the ball more. He wants to be a focal point. So when he talked to the coaching staff there and they said, you know, the impact that they thought I could have in helping us get to that next level, that's more in what Hayward wants. He doesn't want to be a third or fourth guy anymore. Okay, fine. Totally fine. That's, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to begrudge a guy for a wanting more money. Go for it. Get your money. There's a limited time to get this money. We've seen Hayward get hurt. You never know when the next thing's coming. Take your money. And if that means you, you got to take your money somewhere else, fine, go. That's fine. Free agency is free agency. Players have that choice. They've earned that right. They've collectively bargained that right. Go get your money. If you want to get your money. Also, if you want to go somewhere else to get more opportunity, by all means, go for it. And okay, so you're leaving a good team to go to a not great team. Then that's that's fine too. That's and you can scream at him and say, "Oh, well he doesn't care about winning." Well, that's not necessarily true. But a person's ego and everybody in the NBA has an ego. A person's ego can convince them that, "Hey, if I go there and get this opportunity, and be the number one guy, and I can stay healthy, then I can lead them. I can make them good. If he believes in their vision and believes in their young guys and believes in what they can do, then fine. It just seems like Gordon Hayward felt like the money, the opportunity, and everything was right in Charlotte. So... Did it leave this opening where maybe he would have agreed to Indiana if they could have worked the sign and trade? Sure. But that quote, let's just do this thing in Charlotte, let's just get this done, makes it think that he wasn't willing to give Danny Ainge any real meaningful time to actually negotiate a trade. And for the people who say, yeah, you should have taken that thing right away, that's not how you negotiate. And as Danny Ainge has said multiple times, you got to do what's right for the team. You got to make sure you're getting what's right. And by Gordon Hayward leaving, not only do you get the traded player exception, but you also get 
the full mid-level. You bring Tristan Thompson in, who's cheaper than Miles Turner. And you have the opportunity to use the TPE to get other players. So it just feels like Gordon Hayward wanted that Charlotte situation, wanted it enough where he wasn't going to hang around and wait for a bunch of sign and trade things to happen. He just said, you know what, Charlotte, I like it. Let's do it. And that's the end of the story. A free agent made a decision and he didn't want to wait around because he had a good option. What he felt was a good option. You may not agree it was a good option, but it was for him. And that's the end of it. As far as I'm concerned, you can have your own opinion. You can tweet at me, Reds Army underscore John, if you want. I think it's done. I don't. I, I think Ainge got what he can. I don't. I'm certainly not the biggest Miles Turner fan. I think he's good, but you know, I, I can see them holding out and trying to negotiate something better. And then he just said, "Look, let's just do the Charlotte thing." All right, up next, Kemba Walker out at least until January. We'll hear again from Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge in the next segment. I want to make sure that you're buying yourself a Built Bar. Some people have tweeted at me saying, oh, these things better be good. They're good. Because in the way you know that they're good, I buy them. I pay my own money. I have proof. I have the receipts. I pay my own money to continue buying these built bars they're that good i think they're good they've come in 18 amazing flavors some of them have nuts some of them don't in case you've got a nut allergy no problem they're covered in 100 chocolate soft and easy to chew delicious if you're health conscious looking to lose or maintain weight and still indulge this is a great treat they're low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber if you're on a keto diet you can still have them I buy the peanut butter built bars. 19 grams of protein. I take it with it to take it with me to the gym. Those 19 grams of protein, great after a lift. 180 calories, that means I'm not blowing up what I just did on the cardio machine. And then just five grams of sugar and five net carbs. If you don't believe me, go ahead and buy yourself a box. You can go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on, you'll get 20% off. So give it a shot, and then when you go back again. You can use the promo code again. I'm betting you'll go back for a second time. So use that promo code locked on again. You're going to get 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can follow us on Spotify. Kemba Walker is scheduled to speak on Wednesday afternoon. And so tomorrow you will hear Kemba Walker and what he has to say about his knee and everything else here on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. So make sure you subscribe so you can hear everything Kemba Walker had to say. Now, what we learned today was that Kemba is going to be out. He had a stem cell injection in his left knee. That I've Red can be effective in some players, maybe not as effective in some others. I don't know much about stem cell injections, but what they do is they take the stem cells out of your, uh, they took it out of his hip and put it in his knee. And that is supposed to aid in the healing. And 
He saw multiple specialists. Everybody allegedly came to the same conclusion. No surgery, but it's an extensive program of strengthening the knee, the surrounding area, the muscles around that knee to make sure that he has that stability to take pressure off of that knee. We'll get an update on Kemba and when he will be able to play in early January. So about a month or so from now, we'll get an update on when he can play. Does that mean he will come back to play in early January? Don't know. Maybe it'll be January. Maybe it'll be later. So here's what Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens had to say about Kemba Walker. Hey, Danny, you had hinted a few weeks ago that Kemba might be ramped up a bit once the uh, once you guys got going. Uh, how much of a long-term concern is there over the state of his knee over the, after the way things have played out over the past several months? Well, I think this next year will tell us a lot more. I think, um, you know, he saw some specialists over the last, um, I don't know, six or eight weeks. And um, they all came to the same conclusion. And I think that gave Kimba a great peace of mind as he as he went to different really good doctors in our country and got the same opinions. And um, he's on a program. He seems to be in a very good, happy spot. And, uh, you know, maybe we didn't maybe we didn't do him justice by bringing him back too fast into the bubble, and uh, you know, being ur- you know getting, finding some urgency to get him ready during the regular season. But you know, we don't want to make that that mistake. Uh, if it even was a mistake this time, I don't know. I'm not blaming anybody, but um, it's not a perfect science. It's just guesswork, and we're trying to do the best with the information that we have to get him as strong and as healthy as he can be so he's ready to make it through the year. Was there was there a potential when he was meeting with those specialists or was there a thought, at least in your mind, that there was a potential for surgery for him? And I guess the universal opinion was that that was not necessary? Well, that's why I avoid going to doctors because I don't want that potential surgery. <laughs> but I think that you never know. But I, you know, I wasn't anticipating it because our medical staff um, – was pretty confident that they were doing what they needed to do, but um, you, you never know what what someone's going to come up with. And so the I think that they all conferred and they came up with the same conclusion. And I think that gave Kemba a peace of mind. Hey, Brad, I was just curious. You know, obviously we got the news today that Kemba's going to be out uh, at least till early January. Um, kind of where is your head at in terms of long term concerns with his knee after the way the last few months have played out? Well, I think I think this has as much to do with the turnaround as anything else, Tim. I think if we were starting games in the middle of January, he'd probably be starting right along with us, and I don't even know if we'd be talking about it. Um, so I do think that, you know, it's, it's very similar to what I said when we got to the bubble. This is about making sure that he feels great, strengthening appropriately, you know, moving at the right pace, and – hopefully um, playing his best basketball late. I know he's very committed to that. He's had great work over the last few weeks um, with regard to strength, but we are going to proceed slow. And I do think the expedited timeline of starting on December 1st impacted that impacted him quite a bit uh, with regard to his own timeline of starting the season on time. So is it safe to assume then that uh, when he does come back, it'll be a similar 
build-up process to the way you guys did it in Orlando all the way through where, you know, at that yeah. point, he starts to slowly integrate in a little bit more and it's going to be a significant amount of time after that before he's, you know, fully ramped up to playing anywhere near full minutes. I would guess that, Tim, but I haven't had those discussions with our training staff. We're still in the infant stages of that right now. So that's, I would guess that's probably the case. So whenever he comes back, he's, he certainly will be on a, a restriction of some kind. Um, and then, you know, I think that we'll, we'll make sure that again, we manage as well as we can all the way up to, um, you know, late in the season. And if we're lucky enough to play in the playoffs and, um, then, um, you know, hopefully he'll be peaking right at that time. Mark D'Amico. It's not great. It's certainly a concern, and we'll have to see what the long-term impact is. And and basically, Danny Ainge kind of admitted it. We're going to see this season what this means long-term for Kemba Walker. We're going to find out this season what it means because – if they do all of this and nothing gets better, and if they work through all of the strengthening and he ramps up and they ramp him up again to get through the playoffs and only to see it fall apart come playoff time, then then we'll have to see what the decision is on Kemba. Um, he can still play. But is he just going to be a guy who always plays 25 minutes and can't play any more than 25 minutes? Is he a guy that can never play a back-to-back anymore? Is he a guy that's going to have to miss time and seriously um, load manage? Because he's going to otherwise he risks pain and injury. We still don't know exactly what the injury is, but... It seems like it seems like some sort of arthritic type of situation, and this stem cell thing is is aimed at kind of healing that area. If it was a tendon, I don't know. I feel like you could you could go in and surgically fix it, but either either it's some sort of chronic tendonitis or it's an arthritic thing. It feels like it feels like this may be. An arthritic thing, but I don't know for sure, and I, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't really go too far into this. It is what it is, and we'll just have to wait and see. In the meantime, who starts? Who gets the opportunity? Where do these opportunities exist? Well, I think Mar- Marcus Smart as the starter makes the most sense with losing Hayward, with losing Kemba for a while, new guys on the bench. I feel like some continuity would be in order. And you almost let the second unit develop their own continuity. Marcus Smart with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Daniel Tice or Tristan Thompson. I don't know how the center thing is going to work, but guys that he's familiar with, that, that's your best chance at like making up for some of these losses. Look, the Celtics are used to playing without Gordon Hayward and used to playing without Kemba Walker after all of last season's injuries. Throw throw Smart out there as a starter and let him work with Jalen and Jason and, and kind of make up for it that way. I think that's just the smartest thing to do. Don't worry about getting too cute with it. Start smart and keep the continuity. 
which means you have a hole at the four because I would assume you have Jalen and Jason as your two, three, it'd be a, you know, a big two, three, but you're going to start either Daniel Tice or Tristan Thompson. I think there's an opportunity for Tristan Thompson to take the starting spot. I'll talk about that more in a little bit, but one of those guys, and maybe you do go with the continuity and you start Daniel Tice, at least to start the season. And then maybe you go with either you go double big, which I don't, I'm not a big fan of because, you know, it might depend on matchups. Or you go with Grant at the four and hope that his, his shooting later in the season and in the playoffs is more indicative of the type of stretch four that he can try to be, you know, spotting up in the corners, but mostly setting picks. He can be a guy that really is used to spring the main scorers. So Tatum gets his share, Jalen gets his share, Marcus gets his share, and then you have Grant and you know whichever center is out there kind of helping them along and catching some of the overflow. It's possible that they could maybe go a different direction and maybe Aaron Neesmith shows enough potential where he works his way into the starting lineup. It's not unheard of. Jason Tatum was a starter as a rookie. Maybe eventually that becomes the case and you just go with him as a spot-up shooter and a kind of Gordon Hayward size because he's like 6'6". Gordon Hayward-sized, versatile defender who can switch. I don't want to put the rookie in that spot just yet, but but maybe at some point moving forward, that becomes something that shakes out. But I'm not ruling it out. I'm really not ruling it out because he, if he's that good of a shooter and he can spot up and spread the floor, then that helps out with the spacing for sure. And it allows more driving lanes for Tatum and for Brown and for Smart. And I think in these situations, maybe, maybe you start Tristan Thompson because he's a better rim runner. And you really want to have that vertical spacing, someone that can really take advantage of some of that perimeter shooting and and get some easy buckets at the rim. But as far as Kemba goes, I think smart starting and then behind him Jeff Teague will have uh his, certainly be the backup I think uh Peyton Pritchard and Tremont Waters will have opportunities to get in there and get some some minutes in the rotation that can shake out however it shakes out but Teague I think is the backup makes the most sense speaking of Tristan Thompson uh Danny Ainge said something interesting that I thought I really wanted to share with you and then, obviously, the Christmas schedule is out. I'm going to talk about both of those things next on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Hey, if you're looking for a great holiday gift for the Boston Celtics fan in your life, try my book, The Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars, The Best Players at Each Position for the Seas. I went all the way back to the beginning of Boston Celtics history and picked two players at each position plus two wild cards and two coaches to put together an all-star team of all Boston Celtics greats. It was a very difficult process. I left some very important people off, but 
In the end, I think I've put together an amazing all-star team from Boston Celtics history. So go to wherever you can buy books, online or in stores, the Boston Celtics all-time all-stars, the best players at each position for the Seas is now available. So go ahead and get a copy for the Boston Celtics fan in your life. Be sure to follow our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. Hey, make sure you're subscribed to the Locked On NBA podcast. This Wednesday's Locked On NBA is with me and Jake Madison. We're the regular Wednesday hosts, so make sure you're subscribed to Locked On NBA to get me and Jake having fun. Today, uh, we're talking about how Milwaukee botched the Bogdan Bogdanovich deal, which really it was bad. Like, they don't know what the hell is going on with the salary cap uh, CBA bad. And it makes me wonder if Giannis should trust them to build a winner. And I'm, I'm kind of pro Giannis staying in Milwaukee. I know it, stay, it keeps a team in Boston's way, but I just don't want to see a small market lose out on a guy. I want, the, I want them to buck the trend, no pun intended. But this deal makes it so hard for, for me to trust them as a front office. And if I'm Giannis, I have questions. So Jake and I are going to talk about that uh, and some other stuff, including the Christmas Day schedule. Hey, speaking of which, here's the Christmas Day schedule. New Orleans and Miami at noon. Golden State and Milwaukee at 2.30. Brooklyn Nets at Boston at 5 o'clock. Then Mavs Lakers at 8. Clippers Nuggets at 10.30. First of all, and if you download the Locked On NBA podcast, you'll hear me say, I kind of like the schedule. Uh, I do kind of like the schedule. It's nice. It's I think it's 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 an interesting slate of games. I I could maybe make an argument for some different teams in there, but I kind of like this. I really do like this. Unfortunately, Brooklyn at Boston is going to bring Kemba back to. I mean, sorry, Kyrie back to Boston without any fans there, which is just a shame. It's just a shame that he's actually going to come back and play in Boston and we won't get to hear the fan reaction. So someday Kyrie will come back to Boston and have to play a game in Boston in front of these fans. And if last season's game, the first game Brooklyn came back where uh, the fans were just insane and 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 Kyrie wasn't even there. Oh man. I can't wait to see if if he faces fans again in Boston. At some point he's going to have to. But Brooklyn at Boston I think is going to be interesting and I think this is the NBA kind of kind of pushing this Atlantic Division Eastern Conference rivalry. I think Brooklyn and Boston are, are it's it very easily could be a playoff matchup. It could be an Eastern Conference Finals matchup. It could be a team uh, that the Celtics face many, many times, and it's going to be one hell of a roadblock with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. So uh, this could be the beginning of a real rivalry. So the NBA putting it out there at 5 o'clock as the appetizer for the Mavs and Lakers game. It's going to be sad that Kemba's out, 
and he won't be able to play, but it still should be a fun game. I'm going to wrap up the show here with a little thing about Tristan Thompson. And I won't play you the sound from Danny Ainge. I'll read you the quote because he was asked about Tristan Thompson's championship experience. And Danny Ainge, this is what's really interesting to me. He says, quote, I think it's very valuable. Uh, I think for somebody that's actually competing on the court with them who has won a championship, not only that, they came back from a 3-1 deficit to beat a 73-win team. And I think that takes a lot of team chemistry and team building in order to accomplish those kinds of things at this level. So, and then he goes on to say, there's a lot of value to having him on our bench. Uh, I shouldn't say on our bench, on our team, and in our locker room. I think this is especially important that Danny Ainge highlighted this. Because when you think about it, what's, what's this Celtics team coming off of? What's the last time we what's the last thing we saw on the floor with this Celtics team that collapse over and over and over again against Miami? 20 point leads lost multiple times. Watching a team with late leads blow their lead over and over. And now here's Danny Ainge talking about a free agent that he brought in and talks about the team chemistry and team building and the mental strength, the hard work that it takes to come back against a team that should have just wiped them off the face of the map there, won that fourth game, regardless of what happened with Draymond Green. But they still managed to come back and win that series. And I really think that that's Important. I think that that is a real signal that Danny Ainge was pissed about how that went, that he didn't think that this team had it within them to get through that, bust through that wall, as we say. And he went and got a couple of veterans, including a guy that was on that team that beat the Warriors, the 73-win Warriors, and came back from 3-1 down. You know, I the way Danny Ainge was talking about him was very interesting to me. And I thought that really spoke volumes about how upset Danny Ainge was about last year's loss to Miami. And you could tell immediately after the season was over and Danny Ainge spoke – that Tom Westerholm and I were talking about that. Tom does, uh, he's, he's at least for the rest of this week, my coworker at Mass Live on the Celtics beat. But we were talking about that. After that, that postseason uh, kind of exit interview from Danny Ainge, he was pissed. He was not happy. He thought that the Celtics should have won that series and gotten to the finals against the Lakers. And we can say that absolutely they should have if they had just been able to Hold those leads. So him specifically referencing this comeback and not taking, like this is him bringing it up himself to say that they came back from that 3-1 deficit. To have that guy on this team is important. So if that's not a, a subtle jab 
at those guys like, hey, you needed to learn some mental toughness. Here's a guy who's going to teach you this. That's what the Celtics get in Tristan Thompson. That's why the Boston Celtics wanted Tristan Thompson. And maybe that's why the Celtics wanted Tristan Thompson and not Miles Turner. Because what the hell has Miles Turner ever done? Right? So this could be connected to that. Interesting stuff. And we'll see how much more Danny Ainge references that stuff and how much more it comes up. I think there's definitely something to it. Well, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Again, tomorrow, Kemba Walker. We'll hear from Kemba Walker, what he has to say about his knee. I'll play you that audio tomorrow. So if you're a new listener and you have not subscribed, please do so. Because then this show will show up in whatever app you use or on Spotify if you use Spotify. And you'll get an opportunity to get this directly to your device. You regular listeners, I love you. Thank you for the five-star ratings. Thank you for the good written reviews. If you haven't done that yet, please do. And of course, share the podcast. Tell all of your friends, your family, everybody that they should be listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.